least there's some chill music going on here. Like a little like lo-fi. I feel like you could be in a coffee house. What is this? Well, we have some good news across the country. It looks like home prices are drifting lower, but it may not be in the area that you live. Uh-oh, I have the window open. I should have done that. Whoops. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it may not be the drifting in the areas that you were talking about. This week, though, I have a guest, and it was a guest that you guys requested, somebody in the San Antonio area. So we're going to be talking about what his uh, area is doing, because it really kind of is reflective to the whole entire country. You see home prices drifting in some areas, and in some areas, they're, they're still like going crazy, and we're seeing bedding wars. So Tim has the tale of two cities. And that's San Antonio, Texas. Tim Macy, welcome to the show. Come on down. Are you going to put him up here or are you going to just keep keeping him in the background? Uh-oh. There, there I am. <laughs> All right. All right. Good to be here. Good to be here. Now, when you said I was requested, you mean somebody requested San Antonio, not me personally, right? Correct. Okay. All right. Make it sure. Yeah. That would be correct. Yes. They said, um, can you get somebody from San Antonio and tell us what's going on with that market? Because of the fact that it is a tale of two cities and they're wanting yeah. to know what the heck, what the heck's going on, man? Why, why it, is it like that? It's, you know, that's what's fun about um, real estate for the last couple of years. Something's always going on and it's never boring. Like things are always changing. And uh, I got to say, you know, I will give you my take on what I feel like is going on right now and what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, but my predictions have been notoriously bad. Oh, I made really? a video. Yeah, I, mean, I made a video in 2020 saying how I think with, you know, the pandemic and everything that prices will probably level off. And obviously I was completely wrong. They went through the roof. So love to give you a take on what we're seeing happen right now. But uh, yeah, it hasn't been a great two years or so or three years to make predictions about the real estate market. Everybody's doing this. I have to show you this because everybody's saying this and they're talking about my hair. I know that you, anybody that's listening on the podcast doesn't know, but I, I cut my hair off at 1am <laughs> and I let my natural too. curl just go. My, my kids were giving me crap about my hair. They're like, let your natural curl go. And I went, okay. So I cut my hair off at one o'clock in the morning and I did it myself. I love I did it. Pretty good job, though. I'm proud of myself. So that's the elephant in the room, but that has nothing to do with real estate. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I I love the short hair look. I mean, you're you're rocking it. it looks great. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. So tell me, what areas are starting to see a de decline in the San Antonio area? What it, what's happening there? Yeah, um, I mean, I think over the last couple of years, we've had these pockets of uh, our city where you're looking at it and you're like, there's no way that prices have gone up that much. Like our client bought a house for 250 and then two years later, it's selling for almost 400. Like mm. this is just a little crazy. And we're seeing some of those really overheated markets pull back some. Now, like you said, drifting is such a great uh, way to put it. Like they're drifting back down a little bit from kind of the crazy appreciation that they saw, mm -hmm. but they're not crashing. Like they're not crashing down. And so- we had one that we just uh, put under contract where, you know, there were a couple sales of these newer homes um, for around 285, 290. We under one under contract, I think around 270. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it did. It drifted back down to that area where it's not as crazy, uh, but they're definitely not crashing by any means. And then it's still not affordable. 
yeah, well, for a lot of people. Yeah. For, for a lot of people. Um, and then to your other point, though, I mean, the neighborhoods that are always sought after in the really good school districts with like the really good restaurants nearby, the places that all the buyers want to be, those are still multiple offers. Those are still uh, very competitive. We have seen the as is houses um, not, you know, go as quick as they were. I think people are a little more hesitant to go, Mm -hmm. you know, buy a fixer upper Uh, cost of money is higher. Cost of materials is higher. Cost of labor is higher. So I am seeing a little break in those uh, fixer upper uh, projects, but great house moving ready. That's, you know, mid to top of the market is still moving uh, very quickly. I, uh, I have this thing that I've been asking all real estate agents and it's the fact that in even some of the hottest markets, when you get into that first time home buyer bracket, the very yeah. first one that people are buying is still extremely difficult for those new buyers that are looking for the lowest homes, you know, decent low homes, those little small three bedroom, yep. two bath houses. Is it still just as difficult on both sides of San Antonio? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like my family is a, a good example. We moved up and, and bought something in uh, 2021. Um, interest rates were low and we were like, wow, we can afford a $500,000 house, which I didn't even realize, you know, like those, those types of, well, the monthly payment was lower. Like, yo. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I say this to, to say that, um, there was a, a lot of people with the low interest rates, lower monthly payment so drastically that, a you know, 400 K buyer was now all of a sudden a 500 K buyer. Now right. that 500, 400 K buyer is now a 300 K buyer. Mm-hmm. And, and what it's doing is it's pushing more buyers down into the lower price points, which like you said, are those first time home buyer houses. And so as interest rates rise, you know, a, a, a starter home for someone is no longer a starter home for first time home buyers, starter home for first time home buyers and all the people that can't afford the higher price home because interest rates are higher. And so it's just compressing people into those lower price points. I just find that the houses that have dropped drastically in price are the most expensive homes. Like in my area, the ones that have seen the biggest price cuts and closing at the biggest price reductions are the houses that were so out of the regular, I would say middle-class price range that I'm like, yeah, sure. The, March numbers came out 3% lower on national average. I'm like, I how many of those homes were over like a million dollars? I bet a lot of them. I bet For a sure. lot of them yeah. they caused that issue because people in like the lower uh, income, middle-class income are having the hardest time finding a house. Yeah. It's just, there's still multiple offers coming in, especially with one of those first time homes. I don't, I mean, like everywhere I know, like, Everybody, even in the West, when they're like, the West is seeing the biggest hit. I'm like, yeah, but how about those first time homes? Oh, yeah, well, those are still bidding wars. Yeah, so it's those higher price points where they were like the luxury homes when mm-hmm. interest rates are super low, economy's booming, everything's going great, stocks are going up, people's portfolios are going up, the whole deal. It's like, yeah, they can go grab an $800,000 house when they probably would never be able to afford an $800,000 house, but because of the way things were, they could. Now those people are coming back down to reality and those higher priced homes are just sitting there without the same demand. 
Absolutely. And let's just put the like icing on the cake for the last uh, since the last housing crash that happened in 08. We haven't been building houses. The builders haven't been building houses that oh, are yeah. first time home buyers. They're building those five to six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollar houses. They're not building those little like three bedroom or two bedroom houses, you know, Yeah. <laughs> unless it's like a multifamily unit where you have many of them stack up against each other, like a condo association. You're just not seeing those anymore like they used to do them. And, and I, I do think our demand um, is being kept up like it's beating supply. I think demands dropped significantly, but because of the fact that builders haven't built enough of these affordable houses and because of the fact that so many people that locked in these low interest rates are never going to sell their homes. Like the market's being uh, held up by this interesting thing that creates a lack of supply. But if there was yep. normal supply in the market, I think you'd see a bigger uh, decrease in prices. Yep. Where you see those huge builder discounts like we did in LA. Yeah. Yeah, they were like giving them away. Those they couldn't wait in. to. They're like, "You want a car? We'll give you a car." <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like yeah. in Florida, when we lived in Florida at the time, they were like, "There was a car out front. It was a little Mini Cooper." They're like, "Buy a house, and we'll give you this Mini Cooper." <laughs> I hope we never get there again. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but they, but they were more reasonable homes. You know, they were yeah. more like those. But they didn't build them this time. They were like, "Nope, we're gonna go for the high end buyers that have the are overqualified." You yeah. know. And I don't blame the builders. There's no incentive for the builders to build those type of homes when the land is so expensive, building materials are so expensive. They want, there just needs to be more. I know everybody hates when I say this because they're like, that government doesn't do anything. I'm just saying government incentive, government incentive, like give them low interest loans, give them um, uh, at price building materials, give them some kind of subsidies to make them want to build them. Um, yeah. Some kind of guarantee. You know? Yeah, government to me is like the people who manage the playing field. You know, <laughs> manage manage the playing field so people want to play the game. Yeah, but how many field. times is that management getting grease pockets for everybody behind? Yeah, them doesn't want yeah, it, yeah. yeah that's, that's that's the problem. Is like the government tries to be the man, you know, manage the field plus be the umpire plus be the scorekeeper, and then you get all the all the sideways deals that happen. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about this uh, article that yeah? came out that was talking about the West being uh, bombarded. I used a new eyebrow pencil and I think it's red. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. They look like woolly worms on my forehead. <laughs> the people need to know. The they people need to know. know my red eyebrows are intentional. <laughs> Eddie, can you pull up that article, uh, please? Eddie's going to pull that up. He was pulling a question up first. We'll get into you living in Omaha, David. No, Omaha. I think that's, I think that's the one that's on everybody's mind. So. Yep. We're, Western we're housing market it. recession hit so hard and fast that a Fortune 500 firm is riding high, was riding high at $34 per share. It crashed at a dollar per share. Uh, this is about Open Door. Now, yes. you read this article. You had some comments you wanted to make about it. This is from Fortune magazine. Um, it said, uh, go down uh, it says uh open door are taking huge losses as buying agents we are all the time testing their pain threshold when yeah. i represent a buyer and it's a fidu fiduciary duty to re represent them 
the best I can. Chris Davis, a real estate agent in Phoenix, tells Fortune. So when I look at open door house for a client as a buyer's agent, we're coming in low and hard. I, I can see why. We are getting counter offers and we're having conversations. If they weren't desperate, they wouldn't be having these conversations or they getting are getting counter offers by they want these things off. Yeah, but they want these things off their books. Yep. We, so if you see a listing with open door, hit them hard, get a, get a deal. Yeah. Um, we've seen this in a movie before in 2008, uh, leveraged amateur home flippers across the country that had no choice to sell or go into foreclosure with big losses as home prices began to slide. Only this time around, the correction is regional and is corporate Titan that got stuck holding the bag. I, I don't feel bad for them. They were stole a lot of houses from people. Um, not too long ago, Open Door has been riding high and the San Francisco-based company entered the market with a goal of becoming the leader of the so-called eye-buying trend. It's, it works like this. Through an online platform, Open Door makes a speedy offers to buyers who are open are often selling homes in need of ten, uh, tender loving care in exchange for a service fee. The company makes the needed repairs and then flips the home back onto the market for a quick buck. Yeah. So you, you bought one of these. Tell me that. Tell me what's so, going on. Yeah. I am um, in the real estate world for realtors, like people, uh, you know, open door and Zillow are like, you know, these enemies, <laughs> right? And I haven't been <laughs> anti open door. So I've, I've been somewhat positive about open door. Um, but I, I don't like this idea that citing open door as an example of the market cooling, because that's like, you know, blaming uh, the roads because you had a drunk driver on the road, right? Like they, right. they right. just Well, a lot homes. of these corporations bought up as much as they could. The most and they just housing. overpaid for stuff. Well, they took an algorithm. They just yeah. said, <laughs> they took a Zestimate. Yep. <laughs> they said, okay, that's what we're going to offer. We're going to offer $10,000 more. They didn't even look at the house. It was a yeah. bad business plan. So but hold up one second though. Cause I want to say thank you, Johnny O for the $100 super chat. Always a regular here. Always oh, every week. He's so kind to me and gives me a hundred dollars super chat. Isn't that well, now? Now I feel the pressure. We got to deliver. We, I deliver every week. What are you talking every about? Week, every week. Yeah. <laughs> thank That's you so amazing, much. Johnny o. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. So yeah. So these companies did this. They They so, made these ridiculous offers. Yeah, so okay. I, I've been on both sides. I've had clients sell homes to Open Door, and I've had clients buy homes from Open Door in, I don't know, probably over 10, 15 or so. So we, we've experienced a lot with uh, with Open Door. And I mean, there was a time at the market where you'd go into, you know, I'd come see Christina to sell our house. And I'd say, hey, Christina, right now, if we clean up your house, we'll put in some new carpet, we'll do some paint and everything, and uh, we could probably come out and sell for three fifty. Right. Mm -hmm. What I always do, though, Christina, is that we always go and get offers from the iBuyers just to see where they're at. And sometimes we would get an offer from Open Door and we'd be like, well, this is a no brainer. Like they're paying way more for the house than you're going to get on the market and you don't have to fix it up. Like, go for it. So I think they were buying off. We, we saw them buy. We saw them spend too much. Uh, when the algorithm didn't pick up like different phases of a neighborhood. So this would be like a four phase master plan community in like phase one sells for more than phase four. My person owns a house in phase four and they're paying for it. Like it's like it's over in phase one mm -hmm. or they didn't realize that different floor plans don't sell as much. They were just like looking at the square footage. And so 
I had this floor plan that I knew had trouble selling and had trouble selling for as much and they're paying full price for it. So they just bought bad. Like they just spent too much money buying They didn't have the right people houses. behind them to tell them what these houses are truly worth. They well, should have been working would, with a local real estate agent. Right. They didn't have an agent. Like they mm -hmm. would, we would take pictures. So you take pictures and video and you tell them everything that's wrong with the house and we, we send it on up. Right. And they would just come back with their offer. Uh, and yeah, a lot of times it made sense to sell them. And then I watched kind of like the article reference. Like I watched houses that we sold to them, say for 375, come back on the market for 400 painted and everything. And then just sit and slowly but surely sell for less than what we sold it to them for after they put in work to it, after they'd paid all their fees and everything else. And so they're definitely losing money on a lot of properties overpaying for them. I don't, I don't feel bad for them. I mean, I, I really don't. And it's like, I, I think that this is an opportunity for yeah. you know, the average person to go ahead and get a house that should have never been off the market and they should have been able to purchase in the first place. Cause they, they kind of, they deserve what they got, you know, cause they were just scooping up everything. And yeah. people like, that were genuinely like trying to get in on that interest rate that were genuinely had good mm -hmm. credit, wanted to buy that home. And then the, the company was like, we're just going to offer $30,000 more just to get it. So the fact that they're having to take that hit, I'm like, I, I just can't shed any tears for them. And plus, look, a big hedge fund money or whatever. I don't know what they were, who was backing them, but like a big separation from the money to the purchase. Right. Mm -hmm. So anytime you separate the person with the money from the decision being made, you tend to get worse decisions. Um, but my one thing on open door is this. The one thing that I did like about them was they were really trying to make things more streamlined for consumers. So I can tell you our clients that sold properties to open door, it was, it was pretty streamlined. It was, it was an easy experience for them. So I think they got a lot but of didn't the they attack on some stupid fees. Like I had that happen here and I it was know. just like, once everything was like, like in the title work, it's like, what the hell is this fee? And what's this fee? They were all, it was all sorts of crazy crap. Yeah. But we, we had dealt with them enough. We knew what they were. And so we were just looking at what the seller was going to walk away with and for mm -hmm. how easy they made the process and how much the seller was walking away with. Oh, it was a great decision for a lot of our sellers. Um, yeah. If they could figure out how to make that process nice and smooth like that, but just not buy houses for way more than what they were worth, right? And maybe be semi-profitable, then maybe they could do something. But yeah, they, they totally missed. I do not think um, any of the companies doing it right now will be around in five years to answer David's mm -hmm. question. But I do think there's a there's something there because pe some people do just want to sell their house easy and not deal with you know putting their house on the market do you think this is what's caused a lot of the the three percent decline in prices is because of these i buyers or do you think it's a multiple it's like multi-layer reasons i mean i think that this definitely contributes because they bought at such scale i mean i don't know how many houses mm -hmm. they bought but they bought a lot of houses that they're now reducing the price on but mm -hmm. i think their story is probably the story of a lot of sellers that think their house is worth more than it is Right. And so they're mm -hmm. coming out with this big, ambitious goal of what they're going to sell their house for. And the market's just not there. And so it's like, I don't think the market, you know, the market went up and it's dropping a little bit to where it, it needs to be. I think people just listed their house too high. I think uh, some areas in, were inflated too high anyway. Yeah. Like, I mean, sure. I, I'm a Jeremy Knight, we know, good friend of ours. Yeah. Is in the Austin, oh, Austin area. yeah. Hit those homes over there are stupid expensive. Like, yeah. honest to God, there's like 
you look at some of them and they're like, yeah, this is, fi- you know, 550,000. You're like, <laughs> it's laughable, you know, yeah. and Austin used to be an affordable city to move to. And now it's no longer affordable, even with the, the price drops they've seen, it's still yeah. not affordable. And they have, now they have record homeless list numbers because some of these people that like, you know, like at, were in uh, affordable housing options, they were bought out by corporate investors. They raised yep. the rent so much and they had nowhere to go. Because you can't get on like the federal, uh, you know, Section Eight type thing. It, that takes months, even years, to get on. Yeah. So now they have like record homelessness problem. It and, like that area exploded, it, and it it needs a correction in my opinion. And I I don't know. I'm just speaking from like anecdotal observation here. Uh-huh. But I do think that Texas has an interesting issue in that we used to be the sought after place because we got no income tax. Great. Right. Low cost of living. Great right. economy. Lots of jobs. Good roads. Well, Right. What, what was that? Good roads. Your roads are way better than Louisiana. If you yeah, good roads. Drive on and, you know, knock your fillings out. Go but ahead. And we don't have income tax, so we have high property tax, which uh, didn't really matter because I bought my first house here for one hundred and ten thousand right. dollars. It was a, you know, starter home. That was a nice little three two. It was like eight years old. Great. Right. But as that prop as the property values have increased so much, the property tax increases so much. And I don't like I don't know what our cost of living is compared to everybody else, but I don't think it's near what it used to be as far as being attractive uh, because it's cheap to live here. It's not really cheap to live here anymore because our property taxes are so high. Do you think that some people will be losing their homes because the increase in value happens so quickly? Like say like someone in your neighborhood that was living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Uh, Like if they bought their house for 110, you know, five years ago, how much is that house now? Yeah, so that's we do have the homestead exemption where people can lock in and and get a smaller increase uh, okay. on their home every year. Maxes out what the percentage property tax can increase, okay. but property insurance has gone up a lot, and so not Everywhere. just tax increases, homeowners mm-hmm. insurance is going up. So yeah, I mean, it I is, went up eight hundred dollars. Yeah, I it's, thought it's, it was nine hundred, eight hundred dollars from last that's, year. That's that's been that's been tough. So mm-hmm. I do think we may. Um, I just think the low interest rates, if people got in a low interest rate, it's going to make it hard to make sense for them to leave because they're going to have to significantly downgrade to get that same mortgage payment in a different property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and that's one of those things that people like, uh, they're like, well, why didn't you buy? And then, and then they're like, you should have just, you know, like you've been running all this time, but you know, like just because your payment's at 500 and something dollars now doesn't mean after your property taxes and your insurance go up, they do yeah. go up. Your price, yeah. your payment isn't locked in there forever. It's, so you yeah. have to weigh all that stuff out. Yeah, taxes and insurance, not just principal and interest. So David, yeah, that's your question. We answered it. It's uh, the eyebrow program. I, I don't, I think it's going to look different. I think they're not, I mean, they'll re, they'll rebrand it into something else, you know, the seller's little helper kind of thing. They'll do it. They'll do a rebranding and make it sound more sexy. You know, yeah. I just think all the years. current eye buying companies are going to be bankrupt. I don't think they'll be around. <laughs> you think so? I mean, just about every eye, big eye buyer that I know is, is getting killed right now. And so I don't, if, if an eye buyer can make it through, the uh-huh. next four years, then I think there'll be a demand for it five years from now. But yeah, mm, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's, I think the whole thing's going to look different. I think yeah. we're all going to be robots, you know, like real <laughs> <agents gonna be> robots. <laughs> they they tested that. Dude, the, AI, the, the AI assistants, the yeah, AI, AI assistants become they the AI it. agents. 
Yep. You had to go into the door. You had a secret code you had to enter in to get in it. You could go tour the house. Yeah. They tried it and, and people kept messing with the robots and knocking them over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only in vacant homes too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, we got another question from David. Uh, do you think about the fees changing effective May 1st for buyers with higher credit scores? What do you think of about the fees changes for people with higher credit scores? This is the Biden thing. Yeah. Yep. Home buyers with good credit pay higher mortgage rates. We were just talking about this. Um, as the part of the federal housing finance agencies push for affordable housing, home buyers with good credit will soon have to pay higher mortgage rates and fees to subsidize people with riskier credit ratings, according to the report of the Washington Times. Stupid idea. A new federal <laughs> rule enforced by the Biden administration will make it so that people looking to buy a home with a credit score of 680 or higher will have to pay $40 more a month to help subsidize more people with worse credit to take out a home. Why are people, let me just ask this. We can freaking send money to any country across the United, I mean, across the world, you know, across the world, we send money, like you get a cash, you get cash, you get cash. We'll buy another bomber and we'll, you know, do another rocket in the moon, but God forbid we help people that have credit for issues. No, we're going to stick that to the people that have good credit and make them pay for it. That makes no sense to me. All right, Eddie, scroll down a little bit. <laughs> the new rule goes in effect May 1st, will affect mortgages from private banks across the nation, according to the Washington Times. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, federally backed home mortgages, will establish their loan level pr uh, price adjustments. Okay, so this is only for Fr Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, loans. This is not for your FHA or your rural development loans. This is, but your Freddie Ma Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac usually end up being your better loan packages yep. as far as mortgage rates, just FYI. The mortgage industry profession uh, professionals told the New York Post that the new rule is an ugly surprise for home buyers. That's an understatement. Who worked years to build their credit. One mortgage loan originator told the New York Post that is going to be a hard conversation having to say, it's going to be a challenge to try to explain to somebody that says, I've worked my whole life to get a high credit and I have put a lot of money down so you're telling me that's negative now in their right in their freaking right this is a stupid stupid policy uh david stevens of the federal housing commission said for the obama administration told the new york post the rule is unprecedented and i am so tired of being in unprecedented times if we could just go back to boring normal stuff i'm so over this is, this is what we're talking about early though i mean it's just a it's an interesting couple of years to be in real estate because there is always, always something new. Yeah. Well, let me know in the comments section. What do you think is, do you think this is a great idea by the good old Biden administration to punish people for having good credit so that people that have bad credit can get a little, a little extra helping hand? Now, I'm all for helping people out, but I don't think you should punish them for doing good. Well, like, that I, makes I, no sense to me. I will say, though, this is on... One, I mean, the, the <laughs> fact that this stuff is so complicated to explain to me is a problem in and of itself, right? But these are loan level price adjustments, which I'm not a lender. Um, but the way I understand it is that these are, you know, like the different fees on a loan. And so these fees get tweaked here and there. But from what I understand, they've just lowered those fees on the, the lower credit increase the fees 
on the the higher credit scores, higher down payment. Um, and so it's not like a direct thing. I think some of the memes were just trying to get a little bit of outrage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, all right, let me make sure the, the, the headlines aren't just trying to get the outrage. But when I actually dug in, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it does what it says it is. It, it doesn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. um, the fact that you're going to increase fees on, on higher, higher credit scores and in better borrowers in the eyes of the lender isn't a good thing, but it still doesn't help you to have a lower credit score. You still will have a higher Who supported rate higher this fees. idea. I mean, I mean, like, I just, I just don't want, I just don't want anybody to go start like running up a credit card to get a lower credit score, thinking they're going to get a better deal. Cause you're not like, you still should have a good credit score. You'll still get a better deal. Well, you're going to pay they, less in interest, you know? <laughs> that, well, that, no. That, so you, mm-hmm. I don't think you, you may want to get a lender on here. It won't, it won't increase your, uh, look, if, if I'm a lender, I give a better interest rate to someone who has a better credit score. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. just because you don't take it, just because you're going to save 40 bucks, you think, because you're going to pay more with the interest rate. Yeah, yeah. So now what it's saying mm-hmm. is I don't get as good of a deal because I have a better credit score. So they're not giving me as good of a deal because I have a better credit score. And so, yeah, I still don't think it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense to go get a bad credit score thinking you're going to get a lower rate because that's not going to happen. <laughs> People are going to be so pissed off, though. This, too, shall change. Anytime that they've done any kind of kooky stuff with loans and, like, this kind of thing. Yeah. Nine months later, all of a sudden, it's off the books. (laughs) Like, whoopsie, just kidding about that. If you already have a loan, just go ahead and talk to your loan provider, and we'll take that fee off. And, Christina, you've been talking about it, right? When everybody Mm -hmm. wants to talk about the market crash, it's like, hey, look, this isn't 2008, okay? We're not just making it easy for anybody to get a loan. But now when you start saying things like, we are going to make it easier for people with bad credit to get a loan than higher credit, higher down payment, that's when like up starts to become down and down starts to become up and things don't make sense. So I do hope they stop like this. nothing be- makes sense anymore. But for yeah. me, let's just talk about the real estate market in a whole. Like things that are happening across the country, I'm like, how is this reality? When did I jump timelines? Because yeah. reasonable people are no longer reasonable. And some of the stuff that comes out of politicians about them, like they said that with their whole chest and like full conviction. Like I'm just blown away, especially when it comes to affordable housing. Holy cow. They're hard. Some of them are just flat out heartless. They didn't yeah. do not care. They just do not care. And they're like, oh, you should have clipped coupons. Somebody wrote that in my comment section. <laughs> you know, these people, they get thrown out of these parks. If they just stop living beyond their means and clip coupons, I'm like a $600 yeah. increase a month on a more on a rent payment, $600 more on a rent payment for a lot on a manufactured home, these people are low income anyways. And you're telling me if they clip enough coupons, they're just going to have $600 just magically show up in their box. Give me a break. You're not going to like stop getting Starbucks on your way to being a millionaire. That's what they wrote. That's what they wrote. So I wrote back. I'm like, you know what? Since you have so much experience with this, why don't you go ahead and start making content about it? Because most people are not educated in your vast knowledge of clipping coupons to save $600. So why don't you make content about that? Yeah. Crickets, nothing, you know, <laughs> you know like, you know, well, I shaved blah, blah, blah. We'll show people how you did that. <laughs> well, I, I do think, uh, one, you've got an amazing comment section an amazing, uh, oh, I have the best audience in the world. Yeah. You got the best, the best crew watching. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think like people are bringing up, hey, why don't you put the tax over here? Why don't you put the tax over there? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Um, I, I don't think redistribution of funds from purchasers for people with low credit specifically like is going to help for me personally like i believe we need to put things in place where people become better borrowers mm-hmm. you know and put things in place where they can be in a place where like the low down payment or no down payment stuff like that's not necessarily a good thing like people should have a down payment people should have reserves to be able to dive into home ownership in the game that's and i just i haven't I haven't seen taxes and fees and trying to use the money to help people that need it. Like I just haven't seen it work well, but I would love to see some examples. Maybe. Byron maybe has wrong. a question. Byron has a question. He says, yeah. uh, is the rise in prices in single family and multifamily pro- properties due to Tesla building their factory in Austin, Texas? Um, some aspect of it, but not. Yeah. I, I would say it's, it's a, uh, it's a data point that probably, drives uh prices in certain areas so like you know jeremy up in austin that mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure they've seen stuff near the gigafactory you know because that's kind of out in the middle of nowhere uh east of austin and all of a sudden stuff out there is going up in value i, I think it's a factor but i don't think it's like a, a market-wide driver by any means well elon musk has uh, has felt it in his heart. He feels so bad. There isn't any affordable housing near his factories and that they, you know, his employees yeah. are having such a hard time. He's going to create an affordable housing community that they can use, you know, his personal mortgage company that he's going to set them up with. Yeah. yeah. They can, he's going to make affordable houses instead of let's forget the fact that, you know, let's not pay them a living wage. I'm just going to go ahead and give them these cheap little houses that I built with my mortgage company. So and I get Lenar, more skin in the game and right? make more Lenar's money. the builder on that? <laughs> huh? Yeah. Lenar, they're in talks with Lenar to be the builder for that. Yeah, yeah. How's the le- reputation of Lenar in Texas? Um, As an agent, I... Uh, I Can't I wouldn't disclose wanna, that. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to touch that. But I can say a Google search on Lenar as a builder, I think would solve answer most of your questions. Yeah, okay. Think, um, Maybe Eddie can do that. There was actually a video on YouTube uh, of a guy like Lenar calling the cops on him because he was in doing a YouTube video or something of one of the builds, I think. It's it's pretty interesting. I see people on TikTok all the time. Oh, yeah. With, <laughs> with yeah. Several of the builders, they're like, look at this. And the one, the framing <laughs> of the house on both on two sides, there was a gap from the from the yeah. slab to the yeah. wall this this wide. Like you could stick your hand up through the bottom of the house past the wrap. I don't know if it's just the more I'm in the business, the more I see and the better I get at seeing things. But I got to say over the last year or two, I've I've seen the quality of new construction. (sighs) Yeah, go down. And I've talked to the construction managers and stuff. They've said a lot about um, having trouble finding quality labor to keep yes. up with with all the stuff and so they're they're hiring crews that maybe they wouldn't have hired a couple of years ago Correct. Uh, but i would say like across builders i've seen a i mean there's more certain builders with more problems than others but across builders we've seen a lot of that and it's not not great yep uh eddie that we had this earlier you put, oh yeah this was the same thing he, he grabbed our own tab he's gonna get the other tab all right i like it. <laughs> yeah like but it. yeah what so- else we got in the comment section no, we got all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's a uh, 276 people watching. That's amazing. <laughs> yep. All right, Lenar Homes. Uh, oh. they have a one-star oh. review. According. <laughs> Again, I didn't say it. You know. Um, 
Oh wow, this is there. This is all over the place. Georgia, yeah. Oregon, and they're verified reviewers. Yep. So if you ever want to take a look at that, Texas, uh, Florida. Wow. Um, Florida. Yeah, I think Florida. digging into builder reviews is very important if you're looking at a new construction home. My one asterisk I will put on this though is to know that um, most people that leave reviews are people that had a problem. People that like move into their Lennar home and don't have a problem rarely go write them a five star. You know what I mean? It's one of those one of those things that is like the thing that people go leave bad reviews on if they had a bad experience. But it's hard to know. I I write good reviews. What's that? I, gen I, I generally like if I had an amazing experience, that's the first thing I do. I'm like, I'm going to get on Google and write yeah. a review. I do it all the time. Um, but if, if anything happens during that period of time that they their service goes down to poop, I'm the first one to say, I need to edit my uh, review here because it was good, but no longer. <laughs> but I usually only want to leave a review if it's a five star or one star. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, oh, they make me so mad. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Same. But the, the big thing is, who, no matter what builder you use, um, is to get, I don't know if it's like this in every state, but in Texas is to get a three-phase inspection. Like get your right. own third-party yes. inspector that mm -hmm. inspects. They go throughout the yeah. yeah, throughout. Like they inspect uh, before the slab's poured. They inspect when the framing and electrical's up and they expect the, the final product. And I can't say this is true, but I have a feeling when the builder knows that this house has a buyer that has an inspector that's going to be doing the three phase inspection. Mm -hmm. I feel like they, they pay more attention to it because they know they're going to have to redo this stuff. If, if they mess it up. Tom Thomas Morrison said, how many of your clients are willing to buy a condo as a starter home instead of insisting uh, on buying a single family home? This uh, is an issue in Florida years ago. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, here we, we just, we don't have as many condos as you do in Florida. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's not, as many of them and for a lot of them here when you take that condo monthly fee and everything else it's yeah. not that much different than a single family home so like if it's someone who doesn't want to deal with the maintenance of a single family home and that right. monthly condo fee is worth it to them like you may see them go into a condo uh but for most people the the price difference is not that much that's what exactly what happened in florida when uh we were looking for our first homes. Yeah. It was like, maybe we should just get a town home or something like that. And then once we figured if found out how much they increased it every single year, I'm like, well, this is stupid. Like yeah. we can mow a yeah. lawn. We'll just get a zero lot line house. And that's exactly what we did. Like, yeah, you could take a weed eater to the front and the back done. <laughs> you know? um, somebody asked me, Eddie, before you put this question, up, I'm gonna, I want to answer this one real quick. It was from Peter. I'm going to throw it up. Um, not like vomit, but like put it up on the screen. <laughs> the, okay, here it is. He said a question about uh, meet Kevin's uh, boxable fraud accusations. So um, I don't know if you've ever saw my video, Tim, about the boxable houses. They're the folding. yeah. I've, I've been following boxable a little bit. Yeah, so they're the folding yeah. modular homes. Um, the, he's saying that not everything that they have, they've kind of been a little. Uh, not forthcoming like they you can see all the things that are with the company but yeah. they like they don't really necessarily like advertise it um and people have been on the wait list for eons now and he's saying that not necessarily not everything they're saying is it sounds a little bit like too good to be true kind of yeah. situation 
I've just kept maintaining it's a great product from what I've seen, but until I have somebody have it in their backyard for not a week, but months, then, you know, let's have a conversation. I haven't done anything with them in over a year because nobody has it in their backyard. The last time yep. I went there, I'm like, do you have somebody that we can, I can interview to <laughs> yeah. talk about their box? Bill? Well, no, no, we don't have anybody yet. I don't know anybody that owns one. I, I mean, yeah. I, other than Elon Musk and, you know, they have all these ones stacked up in the, in the back there that looks like they're driving down the road to somewhere, but I have not to have seen one person. And there's even a Facebook group full of people just waiting. They can't wait. And they're always asking for more investments. Why do they need to keep getting people to invest more money when they're not even delivering on the product yet? It's yeah. like, it feels a little like, uh, what is that? You know, like a little new skin, a little. Uh, <laughs> there's a uh, there's an Apple TV show called Hello Tomorrow. Uh-huh. Where the guy's selling timeshares on the moon. It feels a little timeshare on the moon. It yeah, he doesn't have them. And, and the whole story is like he just keeps taking people's money for a product like he can't deliver. And I'm not saying that's what it is, but it's like. It's I feeling think, uh, like that. It's I think a lot like of these companies that. like they have to hype up the product so much so they can get the money to actually deliver on the promise. And I, uh, yeah, it's tough. Uh, I, when I met them, they had such a good idea. I think they grew so fast. It's kind of like they didn't even know how to, like the yeah. train was running down the track so incredibly fast. They couldn't slow it down. And, the, and now they're in so over their head, they can't reel it back. You know, that's how tough. I, that's how I feel. I don't know. That's how what it seems they, like, right. <laughs> but we're not, we're not in it, but that's what it feels like. And I got to say in most of these situations, your gut feeling is is usually not too far off. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Smallhorn. People always call me by, by my last name. This is so funny. Hello, Smallhorn. What is, is the best strategy to build credit for homes for someone who has who just migrated to these states? Journal approach. Um, thank you very much. And uh, well, and well, content was watching your channel all day. Oh. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoy it. So what would you say to somebody that was migrating to the United States? What would be a good way to start building up your credit? Yeah. So one thing that I've learned in my last, I guess it's been eight years now in business is that uh, I oh, love to, to, I know it's weird. I, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I was just in the military and now, oh my goodness, the size of that coffee cup. I like you big are, mugs and I cannot lie. <laughs> you are distracting me. Anyways, mm -hmm. um, one thing I've learned is uh, to skip as many steps as possible to get the right answer and make sure you ask the person that has the right answer. And I don't have the right answer for, uh, international people building credit, but I would say like, try to go find that expert in it. Don't get sold on someone who says they're an expert in it. Um, because I'm sure there are some great tactics out there to do it, but I'm sure they're very niche and specific though. The first simple thing you can do though, is get a checking account. Like yeah. the first thing, get a checking account and start building your credit within your local bank itself. And th then all of a sudden the pieces start falling in on itself. You know, like you start, like people start offering you credit mm -hmm. and everything. That's, that's where I'd start. Start with your local bank and start and then, building your credit with your bank. And then, uh, you know, there's no, there's, there's no secret, uh, to income, which is like, just go out there and make as much consistent money as you can in the same job. Mm -hmm. uh, to show consistent income in an occupation. And, you know, it's usually around the two-year mark that lenders will start to look at you better. A lot of people get caught up on credit. Like credit is definitely a piece of the puzzle. But at the end of the day, 
proving solid income for two years, I, I believe is what really matters to a lender. I, I have this tinfoil hat theory that big corporations, the powers that be, they, you know, when we refer to they, yeah, yeah. Uh, are, are trying to encourage younger people to not own so they can buy up as much of the housing so they can rent it to them for the rest can, of their lives. Can I, can I rant for like 30 seconds? Let me finish that thought though. <laughs> do it up, do it up. Sorry. Uh, I believe that. I truly believe it. That's yeah. my tinfoil hat thing. And now they're allowing, they are allowing that your rent payments go towards your credit score. So I'm like, that's just another thing right there. You know, another reason why they're trying to get people to be renters for the rest of their lives. But go ahead now rant. Yeah, look, I, I love giving uh, Gen Z, right? That's the, mm -hmm. that's the gen. Like I love giving Gen Z a hard time. I just watched the boxing match last night and like the Ryan Garcia YouTube star went down with a body shot, didn't get up, like totally wussed out. Guys 20 years ago would have went out on their shield. Soft generation. Like, that's the whole mantra of Gen Z. But let me tell you, they are at the biggest disadvantage of anybody else. They get the hardest time when it comes to buying houses. Like, if you put this into perspective, say they were born in 2000, right? They were not ready to buy a house in 2018, not ready to buy a house in 2019 or 2020 or 21 or 22. Say they're super ambitious 23-year-olds. They've got the highest real estate values and these higher interest rates. Like their mortgage payment as a percentage of their income is probably higher than it's ever been in history. And it's so over Gen 42%. Z, I think it's over, it's over 42% of their income. Yeah. So I think like we've put Gen Z at such a massive disadvantage when it comes to, to home ownership. So I, I feel for Gen Z big time, young people trying to be proactive and become homeowners i think we give them a hard time but i think they have the hardest time right now and i didn't actually say like i was meaning that stuff i meant like me speaking as the typical person who who talks bad about gen z i, I think love gen z. yeah Honestly, i i, I think they're they're gonna solve a lot of the problems that you know our generation has not been able to solve well i i'm older than you i'm gen x so you're a millennial so yeah yeah, we're the we're the take back and kick it, <laughs> take like, it in the gut kind of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but uh, but Gen X and millennials, I think, probably did really well in real estate over the last couple of years. And, we did. We and it's did. been at their expense, though. Yeah, yeah. Boomers, Gen X, Gen, you know, and some millennials. Yep. Some millennials, not all millennials, depending on where you live. Yeah, got in, got in okay, especially with those last interest rates when. I, like if you bought at like the beginning of the pandemic, man, you hit the jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what is an iBuyer program all about? This is my first time hearing this. If I was just, uh, we talked about it that at the beginning. It's just basically where corporations were going to people uh, trying to sell their homes and saying, hey, look, we see on Zillow, your house is worth 450,000. We know the market's going up. We're gonna offer 475 sight unseen. Just sign this sign right here and you're done. And that's what they did. And then they go in the house and they find out it needed a lot of work. And then they had to put like $60,000 worth into it. Then they go to put it back on the market. And they're like, oh, we're gonna put it on the market for 525. And then they end up selling it for 425. Yeah. <laughs> And I feel absolutely no remorse for them. Not, Not even at all. a speck of remorse. <laughs> I, I just, I can't, I don't have it in me. Oh, I, I just don't care. 
Uh, Same thing. Can you actually get a loan on a mortgage with a 680 credit score? Of course. Yeah. Yep. You sure can. Again, it's more income than credit. Like you gotta, you gotta show the income to afford the house. Yeah. You gotta show, yeah. And you gotta show a credit history too. Yeah. Like I've got people that call me. And you only got a couple years of history on you. You Well, and and it's like, (laughs) I have clients that call me with great credit and uh, you know, he's been running his barbershop business for however many years and claiming like 20 grand a year on, on income, you know? So it's like, you have to show income, which sometimes means paying taxes to the IRS, but that's, yeah. I just saw a comment come in from Facebook. I have a Facebook business page. I didn't know anybody watched it. So Mary, yeah. thank you so much for commenting on the Facebook business page. Thank you so much. She said, biggest bonehead idea. Government keeps punishing people for working hard and getting ahead. I know there's a bonehead idea. Among many. <laughs> Among Why don't many. we like incentivize people to do better? That's what, you know, giving I think lower that they interest should rates. Incentivize sellers to sell their home. If you have a home that's under 1,400 square feet, you live in, a, in an area that, you know, you can incentivize the sellers to sell to another first time home buyer. Yeah. How about that? That seems genius. But <laughs> I don't make the rules. Nobody asks me because <laughs> this shit would look so. Excuse my French. This yeah. would look so much different <laughs> if I was in charge. <laughs> I, I think I, I'm not a lender. I don't. I but I can answer this question on why a lender would ask you to remove an LLC. Um, lenders want people on the loan and on the house that they can go after if they don't pay, and so you need to have a very established. LLC with, you know, years of income and all this other stuff for them to allow you to have that LLC uh, be on the loan or on the house. So the lender wants you on the loan, right? They don't want your LLC on there. And so most, most people, most lenders want that personal uh, guarantee, not an entity. And that depends on the state too. Okay. That will depend on where you live because here in our area, we have a few banks that are just local to this specific yeah. area. And if you started an LLC and your personal credit is really well, you mm-hmm. know, established, you can take a you can do that. You can do everything. Now you now here in Louisiana, you cannot do a HELOC on a rental property. Interesting. You cannot do that. Yeah, we've got a funny one. I don't know. We've got a funny couple of funny ones on cash out, refis and stuff. Um, but I mean, like our business, we've been pouring into it for years. And so we've established credit, we've established a credit history with it. So we can go get lending. But I know for the first couple of years, like nope, no bank was going to lend to my little LLC that I had on my business card that didn't make enough money. They should have asked me, I would have said you were fine. I, I know, you know, <laughs> 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 if you have any questions, please put them in the chat. Eddie will go ahead and put them up on the screen. Um, I just, I, I, the, the whole thing is with all these headlines for the last, what, two years, I've been saying the market's going to crash, market's going to crash, market's yeah. going to crash. They're, now they're looking for some kind of evidence to where, you know, that it is crashing. It, it's not. And that's the problem. And it has been the problem since the beginning of the pandemic, even before the pandemic to now is the supply. We just don't have enough supplies of houses. Yep. If you look at the graph, if you look like anybody pulls up the graph of the amount of homes that have been built in the United States over the last, since the previous uh, pandemic, I mean, a pr- previous uh, crash, 
Yeah. I mean, it's like this. I mean, they went straight down. They have not been building enough homes. Their solution, though, and this is another thing that says that they're trying to make us a renter's nation. Their solution to the affordability crisis is to send it to the private sector with incentives to build more condos, townhomes and multifamily units. Yeah. 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 I think um, I, I agree. I think that the more like the more people uh, can have bad credit scores so we can reward bad credit scores, the more that you can keep people renting, the more you can keep people not moving forward, the easier it is to, you know, puppeteer them. Control. Yeah. <laughs> Control. It's puppeteering. I, I will say though, Christina, you brought up something which was, um, you know, we're bringing up the market when I started the show saying I'm awful with predictions and, mm -hmm. but I'll make one. Um, I mean, I do think that our market is definitely propped up by a lack of supply, right? So even though, even though demand's dropped, mm -hmm. it's still enough where it, it's not, not really that close to, uh, you know, going under supply and leading to this big price drop. If there is some major thing that happens in the economy that does really hurt jobs and it makes people sell, like that's the thing. Like buyer demand has dropped. Interest rates have have uh, definitely slowed down demand. But until something really crashes supply, uh, we'll see home prices steady, maybe drop a little bit, maybe go up a little bit. But that's the thing. If you hear in the news that something happens and a bunch of people are going to be out of jobs, that's when I would get worried about prices going down. And that's I've said that for over a year. The biggest the pro, the biggest thing that's going to cause the housing market to drop significantly is if there's a big crash in unemployment. That I yeah. mean, they would have to be in the in like that. The unemployment numbers have never been truly uh, given to us correctly in over 15 years. Like they yeah. have manipulated the, they can literally make that look like anything they want to yep. now. So it's like, we never really know, but you can see how many people are getting laid off in your local area. You can feel it gets palpable, you know? So yeah. Year Runner is one of my, first subscribers to my channel. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So Gear Runner says, yeah, the housing market is still unaffordable. Here four years ago, the average price was around 200,000. Now for a, and now it's 1500 square foot is 350,000 on average. That is the same here in Louisiana. Yep. Same here. Uh, average house was uh, before the pandemic was around around 200,000. You can get you could still get a house a nice house, maybe, you know, some lipstick on a pig kind of house at 180, you know, that and I found people but. Zillow scrolling, like their tastes have not gone down. And so they still want that same house. It's just a larger portion of their income. So it's mortgage payments are just a much larger percentage of people's income. Well, the, the other like naysayers are like, well, it's because young people just won't bring down what they what their expectations are. If they just bring down their expectations and they would be able to find a house they can afford. I'm like, OK, it's the difference between living in a in a shack and the yeah. difference of living in a house that actually has walls and doors and and, you know, you don't have to drywall it. You know, like they're, they're like what you're saying, like they some people can't wrap their mind around the fact that you can't find a house. For two hundred thousand here, you just—it's yeah. like impossible, impossible. Yeah. They can't wrap their brain around it, and they'll say, "Well, I saw one." I'm like, "You want to take a look at it? Come, come on, let's, take, let's take, a, take a look at it." Oh, what? It has no drywall. Oh, you have to put all new wiring in there. Oh, look, there's no central heat. Look at that. Look at yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the TikTok thing. Wow, yeah. look at that. Um, look at that. No, I mean the 
the former military cheapo side of me is like, I would, I would buy a shack and live in it on my way to building equity and wealth and all that other fun stuff. I but I mean, if you have a family, right? Like if you have a kid or two and you have your spouse and, and like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to lower your expectations to that. Like you need to find a, a more reasonable uh, living situation. So I love the rough it idea and save your money and lower your expectations. Like that's great, but you got to be realistic and you can't be condescending either. Like nobody takes your messaging when you say it in a condescending manner. Well, I was, I made this point last week and I'll make it again. When my husband and I bought our first house, I was a hairdresser. Yeah. <laughs> like I was not making massive amounts of money. I was oh, a yeah. hairdresser and my husband was in sales for Sprint at the time. We yep. were just as boring income as possible. Yeah. I mean, we were not like, we were not breaking the bank. People in that same situation, in my situation that I was in, in my husband's situation, when we were starting our family, they could not buy a house, my house, the house that I first moved into with the same type of jobs that we had with the, just, it's impossible. You, you a, can't find anything around there for that amount of money. I mean, like, like it's just not balancing out. No, that's a great example. Cause our first house is the same story and the neighborhood hasn't really gotten any nicer since we left. And you're right. I mean, someone I was, I was mowing lawns <laughs> fresh yeah. out of the military. And my wife was a pharmacy tech. Um, yeah. There's no way anybody in our situation is affording the house that we bought as our first house. Just not, not feasible. It's so crazy because we bought yeah. our house, our first house for like 135,000 when we sold it for over 250,000. Yeah. And I'm like, we couldn't, I, when we, we sold that house, I'm like, we couldn't afford that. We couldn't afford the house. No way. Like, we couldn't afford the house that we just sold. But um, I, I will say like, if, you know, people in the similar situations are listening, mm -hmm. I like, like you said, unless something happens in the economy and everything else, like house, like prices, I don't think are going to go down. And I mean, it's not the best time to get in the game to buy mm -hmm. a house. But I mean, it's just like the stock market. Like you win by time in the market, not timing the market. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's a tough time to get in. I I feel for people, it's a tougher time to get in for your first home. But I, I don't think like waiting three years is going to be a better time. Yeah. Well, we have a question. Angie's all things beautiful. It says, uh, question, how long does it take for a mobile home to be added to the land once the survey and the appraisal happens and my loan closes on the FHA. That is with the courthouse. So it depends on how long it takes for the courthouse to process your survey. You know, the, it, the recording time could take whatever they, like here in Louisiana, like when they go to record a house, they'll say it's recorded, but you don't actually see it for months and months and months down the road. Um, just, you know, you're just gonna have to keep checking with your uh, courthouse to see if it's been recorded. That's a recording issue. And that's, that's local. Like, I mean, different times for everybody. Uh, all right. We got another one. Question. No builder wants to build houses here in the South that are hurricane proof any at any price. I bet there is a market for such homes. As interest rates, I mean, as insurance rates continue to yeah. go up, that we're going to hit a point where like we're at an impasse in Florida. Like you cannot get it's all, like almost impossible to get insurance. So you have yeah. to get the state homeowner's insurance. 
um, the, if builders were smart, if there were some really smart builders, they would make these so they could be insured in Florida. There were an insurance company would feel positive about insuring a house in that, that area. The, uh, there are uh, hurricane proof homes. They're not aesthetically pleasing. And that's what builders are afraid of. They're, they look so different than the traditional home. They're afraid that they're going to be taking too much of a risk by building these type of homes because they're like dome homes. I think they're yeah. cute. And I think if you made a whole, like, let's just say a three street neighborhood of different types of little domes that were all painted differently, maybe not too entirely big, maybe like a two bedroom or three bedroom, make them affordable and hurricane proof, you would have yourself a, uh, something that would sell very quickly. What is your opinion about that, Tom? Uh, well, Tim? Christina, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I like I like your take on it because this is I think this is more your arena than mine. Um, but this seems like a, a very good opportunity for the 3D printer homes because they use like a concrete kind of mix to do all the walls. Aren't those more sturdy than a, a like wooden frame house? They all right. So so the 3D printed homes are a good concept. The thing is, is the machine itself is very expensive. Yeah. Not only that, it has to maintain a uh, levelness the whole entire pour. Yep. At any time, wind can kick up and okay. kick all sorts of stuff into that cement pour. Yeah, that mix. At any time yeah. something can knock over the pour, they have to stop, rearrange the whole entire thing. Yeah. You also have to have very expensive engineers that are monitoring the actual pour and engineers that are monitoring the machine. Yeah. It's not ready yet. And nobody knows what's in that concrete mixture, right? Is it like has, a patented thing that they don't want to tell everybody anybody? has their own secret sauce, their own yeah, secret yeah. mix. They're not going to let you know. So who knows? Not only that, if you have an electrical problem in your house at any time, the walls are poured like this. Yeah. So you're going to have to like cut out a piece of your wall and then you're going to have to repair it. And that's not going to look like the tube of toothpaste lining up. You know what I'm saying? I think they got to figure out a way to make it prettier. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree there, but in essence though, it is like a concrete home, right? I mean, storm proofing yes. this should be, I would think, be pretty good. The, the monolithic, there are better ways to do monolithic homes without doing 3D printing. You yeah. can do you can do SIPs construction, and those are monolithic. Yeah, and then like the storage container thing doesn't, I don't know. They're not, they, you can't, mm -mm. The, <laughs> the it, it's, you, I talked to somebody, they're more expensive to. Yeah, price per square foot. The, by the time you get it up to code where it can resist weather conditions and everything else, you could have just bought a brand new house with yeah. high upgrades. You know, yeah. I've, I've visited several and like, I'm like, how much did you spend? Well, I spent 6,000 for the, they're for the not container. any cheaper. Right. Yeah. I paid no. the 6,000 for the, uh, for the container. And then it was 135,000, 135,000 to get this little room together. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a lot of money. I don't know. They're not, I don't, I, I think they're a great idea. They're just haven't. Yeah. Between, the... between the storage container thing mm -hmm. and 3d printed houses. Like I think there's something there in the future, but not right now. Yep. And then the 3d printer thing, like you have to have a whole neighborhood at once for it to really make sense. Like it doesn't make sense to load that machine in to build one house. It's like buy the big piece of land, build 40 of them. And then maybe it makes a bunch of sense. Yeah. Adrian we'll has see. a question. I have a friend that is currently in pro, uh, pro in the process of purchasing a home. She was told that she would have to let her credit score drop so she would be she wouldn't be impacted by the new law May first. 
Mm. See, this is where I would talk to a lender, maybe more yeah. than one. Because, um, again... You don't want to, your credit score to drop because like underwriting is watching this. So if, yeah. you're, if you're, if you're like all of a sudden it drops six points so you can make it under the, the amount. But um, I, I don't think it actually makes your loan cheaper. Like I don't think you actually save any money. I think that it's still cheaper that they, they just change the, how much of a discount you get for having a better credit score. Right. Somebody said. Mr. Macy, thank you for your service. First time home buyer, how would you time buying any uh, time buying and any other tips for the military market? Thanks. All right. Uh, great question. I love this question. I love this situation. Um, I always found, at least in my market, we got the best deals in the off season. And so as a military member, if you're coming in like in the summer or like in the spring when the market's hot and all that other fun stuff, I mean, you're just naturally at a disadvantage to get a deal. Um, I love after Thanksgiving to New Year's. And so if you can get into a monthly rental or something with flexible terms, I would just be in offer mode from after Thanksgiving to uh, January 1st. And I would be looking at things that have been on the market for a while and that are overpriced. Been on the market for a while overpriced, maybe a little ugly, maybe a walk in there, it smells kind of funny, whatever those things are that have stopped people from buying it. And then find you an agent that is willing to uh, not have too much ego and write some low offers to see if you can steal a deal in the holiday season when sellers are like, man, I can't believe we didn't sell. I need to move. And buyers are, you know, just say Thanksgiving and like, they're like, oh, I'm going to start January 1st. Yeah, we we always are busy after Mardi Gras. So that yeah, from, from that uh, Thanksgiving to Mardi Gras time, it's like <laughs> yeah, get out there and, and make some offers. Yeah, like I, I've done my fair share. Um, Peter has a question. It says, "Isn't this current market worse than a crash? There's been a crash in total transactions, which is how everyone in the industry makes money. Crash to me is that the." average price of a home is below the, the number that it was in 2019. I don't know of one market in across the United States that it's at the same levels of price that it was in 2019. Do you know of any, even, even the, the ones that have hit been hit the hardest Phoenix, yeah. Arizona, uh, yeah. uh, some areas in, um, California, uh, Austin, Texas, none of them are anywhere close to where the numbers they were in 2019. And just because they're not doing, if we're stagnant, right, we're not doing yeah. any, nobody's buying, nobody's selling. That isn't a crash. That means we're stagnant. It's not crashing. The mar the, the prices haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. Nothing's happening. It sucks for the real estate agents, sucks for the appraisers, you know, but you know, that's, that's normal. Like if we have a we've had stagnant markets before. Yeah. Everybody's got a side hustle, <laughs> and, and so and then the agents that have been it for a while say they enjoy the quiet times because it gets them to catch up on all the things that they like their skills in internet marketing, like all their other things, like all the things they weren't able to do because it was so yeah. busy. Now they can catch up. They love they enjoy the quiet times. Those ones that have been in it for 20, 30 years, they know they've seen markets go up and down a million times. So. So I think uh, I think on, on Peter's question though, um, is the current market worse than a crash? Like this is this is very interesting. I mean, as a buyer, 
like, sure, you want the market to crash. You want houses to be more affordable so you can get in. Um, mm -hmm. The problem with a crash is that, you know, there's a lot of home homeowners that get caught holding the bag and get in a really tough spot that negatively impacts them for a, a long period of time. So, you know, like I would love, not love to see, but I mean, I think like uh, a nice thing to see would be a continued stagnation, maybe a slight price decline. And then maybe the interest rates lower a little bit, make it a little easier for, for buyers to get into the market. But I don't think a crash um, is good. I don't want I think to a crash people losing their houses. Uh, but, two, 2008 was the worst to watch yeah. families lose their house. That was freaking awful. And there were some people that were in situations that was unavoidable, unavoidable. Yeah. And yeah. It, like, you know, like there were people like to point the fingers, you know, like, oh, they should have never gotten that house. But they, you know, like the, you got to remember there were sold a bill of goods too. You know, like they were like, yeah. don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I know this seems high now, but you can refinance. You're going to be gaining so much. Like they were told all these things. That's why yep. so many lenders were put in prison for predatory lending practice because they talked people into it to watch families lose everything. Because yep. in, in some cases they were like, they were so scared. They left all of their items still in the house. And these companies came in and just threw all their stuff in dumpsters and and I don't want to see that ever again in my life. No, that is terrible. That but is terrible. The, the other person he was talking about, isn't it bad for the industry? And it's like, I don't really care. Like a lot of real estate agents did really well with this great market over the last couple of years. Like if we it pulls back a little bit, it pulls back. We, Christina, how many people do we see get their real estate license and just magically start making money? Like I've seen a lot of those people leave. And so if it Thank means God. a slower market gets the not as good agents out of the industry, like I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing about when real estate agents basically work for themselves, you can see yeah. whatever name or brokerage they have, but you still is about, it's a business within yourself. You know, like you have to learn how to budget for your marketing, everything. And if, uh, if not selling a house one month is going to ruin your life, then you, you are a terrible business person. Yeah. And if everybody knows anything about real estate agents, the average real estate agent, I think makes like 45,000 a year. I think that's yeah, what it it's, is. it's the top percentage game. And so if you're in the market, like just make sure you're working with the top percentage, make sure you're working with someone. The thing I do like about this is people will have more questions when they enter into the market. So if I was selling my house before I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, Christina, you can put a sign in the yard. Sure. You could be my agent. Now it's like, wait, what's going on in the market? Like, how should we do this? What should we do? Mm -hmm. And so I do believe that uh, better agents will win. And if you're in the market, talk to a couple agents, work with someone who knows what they're talking about, because that'll help you out with so many of your problems. I'm connected with thousands across the country. Yes. And if you want to know anybody, let me know. I yeah. just go to my website, christinasmallhorn.com. We have a question right here. It says, how do we get corporations out of the housing game? I, um, I talk about this a lot in my videos and they're... Like, for instance, if you live in a manufactured home community, you can turn your community into a co-op, which is very similar to like um, like a condo association. Yeah. Same, same kind of thing. Everybody owns a piece of the, the land itself and everybody has a vested interest in uh, lot rents and everything else. So everybody would be voting on that, um, like almost like an HOA for your mm -hmm. you know standard homes that if a corporation was to come in, the residents should have the first right of refusal to allow that to happen. So they have the opportunity to purchase it as a co-op and before the investors come in. That's one way you could 
you can look at it. Anytime you have a community and it's an older community and you don't happen to have a restriction of how many rentals can be in your area, you can actually put that in your covenants. You have a meeting with everybody. You, you have to get a whole vote on it and you add an uh, addendum or amendment. I'm sorry, amendment to your HOA that says that only like 10% or 15% of the, the houses can be sold to corporations using it for rentals. You can do that. There's many ways you can look at it, but the best thing you can do, and it seems like the simplest thing, but it's very difficult, is for people to go into some of these meetings when these corporations come in and say they want to build these build-to-rent communities, always encourage your local counties to vote against it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're starting to see um, more and more of those with the the build-to-rent communities, which is, which is tough. Because um, they want to make us renters. They're yeah. trying to turn yeah. our younger generation into Look, renters. The people I do think get a bad rap are the local uh, flippers, because I do think that, you know, there is a product of 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 home that isn't for the home buyer. Like I've seen so many people buy the fixer upper and go underwater and have a tough time with it. And so, like, I think that everything has a a need, you know, and I just think sometimes you see people going outside of that need. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are instances uh, where corporations maybe should buy houses, but the level that they're doing it right now is just way too, way too high. Gross. And the other thing I'd love to see is um, landlords financing the house to their renters. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, this is like mostly, you know, the mom and pop landlords, but converting some of their rentals to notes. Um, I just think more people should own their home. I think that uh, when you own your home, you've got more invested in the neighborhood. Like you said, having those neighborhood meetings and actually showing up, I feel like that's more when you own your home, you're more likely to participate in that stuff. And so non-traditional so ways guilty. to home ownership. I'm so guilty of not showing up to those meetings. <laughs> <Well. laughs> I'm so guilty. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hear about it. You know? Yeah. And I, like, I don't want to hear it. The people complain about the stupidest stuff. <laughs> Uh, but it's true that you should participate, but I'm guilty of not showing up. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa says, is there a way people can look online for foreclosures and bank owned properties? Yes. So if you go into my description of this video right here, you can go to foreclosures.com and you can um, just register for their newsletter, right? Just register for their newsletter. So that way they can say, oh, what area do you live in? And you can say when you want to get it. Don't sign up. And this, this is a little secret. Don't don't use my affiliate link to start paying for it until you see a house that you actually want to bid on. Then go ahead and pay for it for that month. Once you close on the house, cancel it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I know. It's, I'm getting paid for it, but I'm telling you how you how you get around it. So, <laughs> Christina, do you know how much inventory the, the banks are holding right now? Um, so they're, they are nowhere near the numbers they were pre pandemic. Okay. They Cause I knew back then, yeah. So low. They do not have the inventory that they had on their books years ago, but I'm going to tell you this. So if you look at the, and this is well known, the car market right now, they're seeing repo rates just yeah. go up. And so if you were looking at a car, I'm, I, I'm going to actually hold off buying a car. My, my yeah. lease is up. I'm holding off because I don't drive it enough to even make a big difference. And I'm waiting for one of these repos to come in and I'm going to get myself a deal. It, this is an indication very, very similar to what happened 
to the previous crash, but mm -hmm. that all happened at once. They saw the repos of cars and uh, foreclosures happening at the very same time. This isn't the case this time. They're just not seeing enough because people got such a low interest rate. Their payments yep. were so low. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Um, they were expecting to see a big increase when they saw when everybody got that, when the, you know, the forbearance, you know, the forbearance. Yeah, yeah, got, yeah. They were thought for sure we're going to see by this time a big wave of foreclosures that hit the market. Well, no, that didn't happen. They're still below the numbers they were prior to the pandemic as far as as, as people getting into foreclosure. So they, they'll gladly give up their car, but they're not willing to give up their house. They're still paying that mortgage note. Yeah, I mean, I know house prices have gone crazy, but cars, my goodness, they are. $50,000 for a regular car. Just, yeah. a regu just a regular old car. $50,000? Yeah. Christina says no. No. Hard no. path. No, I don't drive enough to, like, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. $50,000 used to be a luxury car, and now it's just like your average Honda Civic. It, look, and we say <laughs> used to be. I'm not saying used to be, like, 10 years ago. I'm saying used to be, like, what, four years ago? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I, I'm like, and now, like, when I was a kid, you were like, you never lease, a, uh, never finance a car for more than four years. And now, like financing cars, I think it's seven years. Like, yeah, you seven years for a car. You, you more, you uh, have a well, that's not mortgage. What is it? You know what I'm talking about? You have a loan yep. for seven years on yep. a car. Yeah, on a car, and you only have a, and you only have a like a. Oh my god, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Anyways, Thomas says, uh, would you please uh, explain manu manual underwriting for? and no need for credit score, a church Hill mortgage company. I will not explain that because I'm not a, a lender. Uh, I, I would be, I would be explaining it incorrectly. Yeah. I mean, big picture is just uh, like lenders use a lot of standard equations and credit scores and stuff to come up with a lot of the underwriting. And sometimes they don't apply to people. So they have people that will like go in and look at your personal situation. Right. But I would definitely, like Christina said, Talk to a lending professional because Christina my, and I, neither one of us are lenders. What what my rudimentary ex explanation is, they have this computer that goes through it and, and it gives it a bunch of flags, you know, yeah. a bunch of flags. And then they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then somebody actually sits down and looks at it and says, all right, let's, let's get over this one. Let's see if we can talk about this one. Let's see if we can, you know, like then a person is actually sitting there looking at it. That's, that's my explanation of it. <laughs> But other than that, please talk to a lender. PJ Garcia says, Christina, big, warm, heart, warm, love for all of us. Love uh, that she shares and teaches us. Love your new hairstyle. Appreciate Tim's down to earth. Fun participation on your channel. Tim, are you going to come back? This, this has will? been the most fun I've had on one of these things in a while. Mostly because we got this awesome audience just dropping all these great contacts. I have the best I mean, real estate YouTube audience on the planet. I, the I mean, like, I'm so thankful to them. Even yeah. when I took a break from making video content, I made sure that I came to the live stream because I had so much fun on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love my people. I love them. Uh, Falsificationism says, I recently saw a chart of Canadian home prices, and they're even more expensive than in the U.S. Why? Can things get even more unaffordable? So I know this... Prior, I've actually even had um, somebody from Canada on my channel. Um, 
you know, I'm Brad McCallum. Of you course. Know Brad. So yeah. um, they had a large increase of foreign investors that bought homes and held them for like held them as like stocks, basically, yep. leaving them vacant, causing home prices to increase because the supply was so short. And so in some districts, some areas, they went ahead and started penalizing people for having vacant properties because they weren't using them for rentals or anything. They're just keeping them vacant. And they weren't even, so in some cases, they weren't even taking care of them. They were just yeah. empty houses. So um, that's one of the biggest, their biggest issues was an influx of foreign investors that had come in and bought a lot of homes, a lot, a lot. I, I hate to keep going back to it, but just that simple supply and demand like canada has very big supply problems with housing and so prices keep going up yep questions what are fees a new home builder is paying on completely in, uh, completed inventory that's accumulated days on the market i don't understand hmm. the question do you understand that question no um i mean so real quick though on days on market uh, sometimes builders will put things on the market before they're completed. So you Absolutely. may have, what's that? Absolutely. They do it all the time. Yeah. So you may have a, a builder house. You're like, this thing's been on the market for 90 days, but they haven't finished it yet. And so, yeah. um, sometimes they do accumulate high days on market just because, uh, they haven't they're not the done yet. and people want to move in like right yeah. away They see a house and they want, I only want to wait 45 days. You know, as soon as my loan's done, I want to move in. And they're like, oh, well that one won't be done for another three months. And they're, and their lease is up in, in two months. They're like, we can't wait. And I'm not moving yeah. in with my mom. You can forget yep. it. <laughs> not doing that. We moved out for a reason. <laughs> are you, how are you doing on time, Tim? Do you have to go? Um, I got Kate. What is that? The the rental question? I'd love to hit that one. And then hit it. maybe wrap up. Okay. The stagnant residential. Are, yeah. yeah. Here we are. Okay, Doc Ray says, how will the stagnant residential RE market affect residential rental market? Uh, we don't have that problem here, but uh, do you have that in your area? Um, I mean, I think, look, everybody needs a place to live, right? None of this, mm -hmm. none of the the prices and all that stuff change the fact that people need a house to live in. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think what happens is I, I believe we've seen home prices and interest rates. And so the cost of owning a house increase faster than uh rentals so rental rates have gone up as well but i'm fairly certain if you look at like i said percentage like mortgage percentage of income compared to rent i think mortgage as a percentage of income has gone up faster than rental so rental demand i've seen be very strong so rent demand in our market hasn't really uh diminished and because of that we are seeing you know, those, those rent values, um, going up. And so I do think it's just cost of living is just getting higher and higher in general. So I haven't seen demand for rentals going down at all, especially in our market. Um, and they are starting to go and, and they're definitely starting to, to go up. I think you may see the rent, uh, increases kind of trail the property value increases. So I think you'll continue to see those go up. I think the areas that you're going to see rental decreases are the areas that were the builders left the single family market and went into the multifamily market, which happened at the end of 2021 when yeah. they were, they started going in when those are complete and we start seeing 
those areas finally like open up, then you can see decreases in rents in those specific areas. But mm -hmm. for the majority of areas that don't have a lot of new building, you're not going to see rental prices tank for quite some time. Rent is ridiculous. I mean, I, every time I, I'm, I'm a, I'm addicted to TikTok, and I love watching people, you know, like what they do and everything. And one of the things that always kind of comes by my FYP is how much more their rental has gone up. Yeah. And even in areas that have had a lot of uh, new builds, still, you know, $200, $300 up. And there's no cap in most areas. Like they can't say, like they can raise it up 20, 30%. And there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's no law saying that they can't. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But again, in a state like Texas, the person that owns the house, since the property value has gone up so much, like their property taxes and their insurance is going up a bunch too, which I know always gets passed down to the renter. So it's a, it's mm -hmm. definitely a mix of a lot of these different factors that are going on. Rent is ridiculous. 100%. But do you know what isn't ridiculous? My website, christinasmallhorn.com. If you're looking for a real estate agent in your area, you can always help reach out to me and fill out the a referral form. All you do is click on any button on the web, on the website, just one pink button takes you straight to any form that you can fill out. And I can help you find a real estate agent in your area. Super that is easy. a good looking website, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is so simple. I made it extremely yeah. easy. Anybody under the sun can figure it out. All you have to do is fill it out. But please, for all the love that's holy, fill out the contact phone number. If you do not leave a phone number, I cannot call you. I cannot call you. <laughs> and one of my favorite things to do is talk, obviously. Yeah. So leave your contact number so I can give you a call. I will contact you within the week. You know, I'm sometimes I'm more quick to the button than others, but I, I will get a hold of you and find you a real estate agent in your area. So fill that out. Let me know. A, and then a good agent. A good agent. Well, Christina's I know. Christina's got the best network of anybody I know. Well, that's because I have the best audience. So I want to make that's sure true. I make them happy. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. And if you're looking to listen to this on the, um, you know, on the, on your podcast, or whatever, I'm on all the podcast places too, but Tim has a YouTube channel. He doesn't promote that too much, but he's on the Instagrams. He loves himself some Instagrams. So just find Tim Macy on the Instagrams. Right. And I'll, I'll probably do more travel stuff this year on, uh, on YouTube. If you like, like the family travel stuff, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be doing more of that. And if you're a real tour, Tim Macy's on all the, uh, like conference, you know, oh my God. I'm, doing a, I'm, I'm doing a whole tour in, uh, in May. So follow me on Instagram. Cause yeah, I'm doing a bunch of different real estate. He gets uh, up there and talks to real estate agents and gives them all the inside <laughs> tips. They don't ask me, they ask Tim. <laughs> Nobody oh. calls me because they know I'm mouthy. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I say potty words and they're like, Nope, <laughs> don't have her on. <laughs> we love potty um, words. Yeah. What? I said, we love potty words on. Them. I know. I'm, I, I, I dropped one today. That's the first time I've done in months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so this is my podcast so you can these this episode that we have right here tim you can go ahead and uh you can listen to it or you can share nice. it on your social medias um, i love it yay love it. yay so thank you everybody thank you everybody for showing up there was over 333 people i saw that was the highest i saw today 333 people that were watching us live today i want to say thank you to every single one of you i also want to say a special thank you to the moderators for keeping the chat clean and i also want to say thank you to our super chatters today yeah shout out to the super chatters you guys are awesome i know man i love them they're so great there's they really Johnny do help you know. They really do. That's yeah. always really nice. 
nice to support. So thank you, Tim. I hope everybody has a great weekend. If there's anything that you want to discuss next weekend, just make sure when this video is done, put it in the comments section below and I'll see if I can get somebody on here to have, talk about it, you know, talk about it together. Tim, I well, hope you come on here again. This was I'll tune in next week. <laughs> You're going to be here next week? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'll, be, I'll tune in. I'm watching next week. Oh, you're gonna watch it. Yeah. Observer.